0: This is episode 304 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome! In this episode, I chat to Edward Liu and Nick Amlag of Studio Enthusia about their twin-stick melee combat arcade game, Breakpoint. Now, this has nothing to do with tennis. No! No, it's a straight-up melee arcade combat game with some unique aspects to it which make it very different and cool i really really enjoyed this chat as well as enjoyed play the game and to chat to both ed and nick about its development breakpoint that is uh was an absolute joy so do do listen to this one and uh chris from the not so distant past if you would be so kind ed and nick
1: hello who are you hello. hello who are you both and what do you do uh so i'm ed i am an engineer uh well I say at Studio Aesthesia, but we're just two people. I guess I'm the engineer on Breakpoint currently.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And I am Nick, Nick Amlag. Uh, I am the primary designer and artist at Studio Aesthesia making Breakpoint. Well,
0: we've got some questions for you both. Uh, Wow, do we? And thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you. You're very welcome. And um, yes, next question to you both, then, is how did you make your start making flashy, lighty video games?
1: <laughs> you start. Uh, sure. Yeah. So I actually, um, well, I guess if you're asking very, very start, I took my first programming class at the tender age of thirteen under my father, <laughs> who is a computer science professor. Um, so I, I sort of always knew I wanted to make video games, and um, you know, I told my dad this, and he's like, "Oh, great." You know, I teach some um, some computer science. He's actually primarily a mathematics professor um so he you know took me under his wing started teaching me a little bit here and there um i didn't actually start really making video games until uh you know after college but i was always tinkering around with side projects here and there uh even when i had my full time job as a software dev i would always be working on something um on the side and then when i moved to seattle uh, a few years ago um started attending the game dev meetups around here uh Really started getting into it, and that's where I actually met Nick uh, and we started collaborating together. Okay,
0: so that's so obviously you've obviously got your your father to, to thank for planting that seed yeah. in your brain, like <laughs> you know, because it's it's great that you have uh, that. Because in many cases, and I definitely speak for myself, it's just like newfangled technology, you have no idea what you're doing, whereas someone actually not only understands the technology but is also. Has a bit of a maths brain, that helps. (laughs) Then you can actually have, you know, that that breaks down a lot of barriers, even though, even though you may disagree, but even though the level of maths required for a lot of programming isn't that complex. Oh, no, I definitely agree. it's It's not like the applied stuff, it's like, we all know that maths ultimately is a series of patterns. It's actually <laughs> numbers. I'm sure your father is screaming at me now. <laughs>
1: what
0: a horrible, horrible thing to say. And it's wrong to say. But really, it's that they love their patterns. It's, just, it's all about that. And then you make more patterns, and then you blob them onto more patterns. You go, look at that. I've got more pattern. Okay.
2: Getting excited. What about you, Nick? How did you make your start making the video games? Sure. Uh... Long time ago I had the Nintendo Entertainment System. Actually I didn't have it. Uh maybe my brother shared it because my it wasn't even ours, it was our sisters. Um and we are the ones who latched onto it. Uh knew that we wanted to get into games from an early age. Uh started to VR ourselves towards that that kind of career path. Um we had enough of a supportive family and a support network that allowed us to, even if they didn't understand games, to pursue that kind of development. Um, and he was, uh, I was a little bit more of the artistic person, so he kind of veered towards the programming uh, kind of aspect. So we kind of wanted to complement each other. Um, we ended up uh, working together for a little bit, but um, kind of veered off into different paths. But as I got older, um, I got involved with uh, Microsoft Test, and then I worked at Big Fish Test. Um, And at the same time, uh, I realized a lot of my peers around me, uh, while I was wanting to get more involved in games and game development, uh, the conversations I was having weren't really uh, the kind of conversations I thought I was going to be having. Um, Most primarily, I was talking to uh, a lot of game players, uh, and the game conversations around game players is a little bit different than game developers. Uh, You tend to focus on quite a bit of different things, and so... Uh, as a result, I really wanted to seek out more peers who would get into more of the development side of conversation, so I, I decided to join Meetup, and uh, there was a local, a local meetup for uh, game developers in Seattle, and I decided to talk to a bunch of folks, put myself out there, make myself vulnerable, um, and I met Ed at Seattle Indies, and uh, we started collaborating from there, and that's where... Uh, he and I started working together. Uh, Obviously, (laughs) I didn't work exclusively with him at the time, I was working with just a bunch of other people um, and just getting to know a lot of other people. But Ed was kind of one of the people who became a sticking point for me uh, and we ended up working together uh, for a bunch of game jams um, and eventually uh, we decided to work together commercially on this project and through our own company
0: like-minded people drawn together, similar sort of like way of seeing the world and the universe. And you right, may think yeah. it's it's that kind of thing, isn't it? It's just like, well, it's, sure. it's not just me. No, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Before it's just me. No. <laughs> it's nice to have that feeling that you're not <laughs> it, alone. It is right? <laughs> lovely. When, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, I mean, whenever I hear the word meet up now, I share this with you is that I remember of uh, London on board, which is the world's largest board game group. Oh, um, we have about was it 14,000 members um, because london on board up until the recent shenanigans which we won't talk about because you know <laughs> out, but you know um, the uh, we had well we the group held weekly sorry correction daily wow. events board game events across london because of london's pub scene and they have basements filled mm. with tables <laughs> kind of works yeah. basements tables Yay! <laughs> and loved and really nice food and beer and stuff. So we'd have 50, 60 people show up every day to play weird and wonderful board games. And uh, I do remember one, many years ago, about five, six years ago, someone from Meetup showed up because they couldn't understand
1: what we <laughs> were doing. well like from the company itself you mean yes from the
0: actual company itself they're just like what is going on because we we were generating phenomenal amount of money phenomenal (laughs) amount because of all these (laughs) meetups we were having daily events it's like doesn't happen and all 50 60 people every single time and we had no idea who she was because you know people just show up all the time Mm -hmm. a lot of people from out of town or out of the way the country would show up that's why we had so many members because they're transient they come in sign up Mm -hmm. and then never come back again because they're just you know, tourists. So she we thought it was yet another American. Believe me, believe it. a lot of them show up in the middle of London because you know whether you like it or not, eventually you're going to come here. It's going to happen, <laughs> whether you like it. It's right. going to happen. you will just show up. Like, why am I here again? It's <laughs> going to happen. Okay, so eventually everyone, all roads lead to this city, whether you like it or not. So she, she and she had no idea, and we ended up playing you know the most esoteric, weird games like you know back in the Cards Against Humanity when people used to play it or. Avalon and things like this, mm-hmm. poor woman poor woman <laughs> she just fled, I think she fled like, okay, it's everything, the problem is everything we were doing was completely legal but we just didn't understand <laughs> be not frightened <laughs> be not frightened anyway, I love sharing that story, anyway next question and this is something that's quite hard to answer but give it some thought and I'll also flesh it out a bit to help you out both, and I would ask ask you to answer it not uh, as individually, if you can, or, if, or, or maybe as a collective, because you are a collective, mm-hmm. even though it's two of you, it's mm-hmm. still a collective. What do you believe are your biggest influences as creators of video games?
1: I guess. Uh, am I going yeah, first? I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I guess I wasn't sure if we were answering as. Uh, no, other, no, yeah. no. Just, just yeah. we love we love dead air we, on well, the show. Well. Don't
0: worry. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Um. Yeah, I'll go first. Everyone's Uh, now hitting
1: their their MP3 player, whatever they.
2: Yeah. What? Am I missing something? What's going on? (laughs)
1: Um. So yeah, in terms of influences uh, in games, uh, it. Just a creation of games.
0: I mean, right. not necessarily not other necessarily. games. It could, yeah. be. it could be other games that influence you, and that's perfectly legitimate answer. No. But really, just think maybe something you haven't thought about, or maybe you have, I don't know. <laughs> what do you think is the thing that influences you as creators?
1: Yeah. You know, uh, things, things. I mean, certainly, so I'll answer at least for a couple of games and then maybe for some other experiences. Um, I mm. do remember, so back in the day, uh, my, you know, being the strict Asian family that <laughs> my parents were, uh, I wasn't really allowed to play a lot of video games. Um, so, you know, I, they never bought me a console or, uh, any game, any PC games. So what I ended up doing was pirating a lot of stuff. <laughs> and, uh, the game in particular that I actually remember just returning to again and again was the Elder Scrolls 3 Morrowind. Um, I, it's, it was sort of a recurring theme throughout like a lot of my childhood, to pick it up and then put it down again because it was so impenetrable, <laughs> and then you know pick it up again later because well, oh, it was so interesting. I mean, you say you say was.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 and, okay, <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. I'm sorry, no offense to any any Morrowind <laughs> fans there, but you know, you know, I'm right. You know, I'm right. Go on. Go on.
1: <laughs> totally. Sorry, Ed, I just had to <laughs> it in there. Please, <laughs> 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 so yeah so I, eventually you know one, once i once I really started growing up and i it, and then i I actually started penetrating into it and I got in and it it became such a such a point of influence for me that um like since you know I had returned to it so many times uh, I really gained an appreciation for one yeah how just how impenetrable it actually was <laughs> for a lot of people but two how awesome it was once you actually understood it. Um, just like all the mystery and the uh real mm. uh real hostileness of that world really grabbed something in me. Uh, so that's definitely one point of influence. Um otherwise, uh I think the the inf- the other influence for me, just growing up that isn't a video game thing, was sort of growing up in that uh Chinese American culture where people sort of regard you as something else. Um you know, it wasn't actually a, a, a huge downer for me or anything like that. I didn't have any super negative experiences, but there's always that thought in the back of your mind that like, oh, actually, I'm not the same as these other people. And you always have to sort of play around that when you're in a social situation. Um, so that still does kind of, you know, I think about that a lot when I'm uh, when I'm creating.
0: Okay. Uh... That's... Um... It's quite telling, and it definitely I can see that coming through with Breakpoint. Actually, there's lots of uh, especially the um, impenetrableness. We'll <laughs> talk about later. Like, figure it out. What just figure it out? <laughs> oh, okay. 10 minutes later. Oh, I see. There you go. <laughs> what, what about you, Nick? What was things that you do? You think you sort of well, obviously there's some lots of personal stuff there, sure, sure, right. and his interaction with Morrowind, which will. <laughs>
2: Um, yeah, as I said earlier, I had played, uh, Nintendo as I was a young kid. Uh, I, so mm. I, you know, a lot of my young experiences were, uh, playing Mega Man and Zelda and Mario, um, and Duck Hunt. Um, a lot of those early NES titles, um, and latching onto those, uh, apparently I asked my, my dad, uh, what kind of experiences I had prior to that, if I played any games prior to that. And, uh, apparently according to him before, I had any memory of anything. I used to play the Commodore sixty four, and would play like uh, what was that game? Um, Centipede, and we would, I would play uh, a lot of the the earlier earlier titles as well. Um, <laughs> before I could even remember, so uh, have a pretty pretty heavy history in consoles, um, and then later in my life, I started playing a lot more PC games. But a lot of specific uh, titles that kind of influenced me are a lot of the sort of action oriented. Uh, fast-paced, um, very gamey kind of titles. Uh, I used to play a lot of... Um, I would say my number one favorite game of all time is Chrono Trigger, um, despite what I had just said, um, <laughs> just because it teaches me something new uh, every time I feel like. Um, but uh, for Breakpoint specifically, and a lot of what informs my design decisions, is uh, there are a lot of games out there that I play academically. Um, I don't necessarily play because I'm, I'm trying to enjoy them. and. Uh, they're usually for uh, a lot of action-oriented moment-to-moment decisions. So, um, say for example, um, I won't say that Halo is a very seminal game for me, but they talk about uh, like thirty-second fun loop, basically, and I think that yeah. we try mm-hmm. to adhere to that very closely. And um, I th- think about uh, I think about that loop a lot, um, just because I'd like to be able to have a game that is very responsive, gives the player a lot of feedback. So, um, even though I say that uh, and Zelda is not a very fast-paced game in that regard. I think it's a very responsive game, and I think, uh, especially Breath of the Wild, for example, is a very highly regarded, highly responsive game that's kept together um, very tightly around the seams. Um, and I think it's a it's a game that um, shows its roots a little bit. I think as we as we talk a little bit more about Breakpoint, um, we'll get into some mm-hmm. of the the particular ways that uh, Zelda and Bre- uh, Breath of the Wild, in particular, kind of influenced our design there. But um, other games, such as uh, Vlambeers, Luftrausers, um, or Nuclear Throne, uh, very punchy games. Um, they gave a talk about uh, putting juice into your games. And we, we took that to heart, um, not just because they'd said it, but because we believed it. Even even if they had not said it, we are very uh, big fans of uh, giving the player a lot of feedback, visually, um, orally, uh, and just through feedback mechanisms. Because we, we really want the player to know what, what they're what's happening. Uh, at any given time so that they can make informed decisions moment to moment and that's that's kind of integral to our uh, to our loop so uh, as as you're sort of talking about um it being an impenetrable experience and then later on sort of figuring out on your own we don't have like breakpoint doesn't necessarily have like a persistent tutorial it's just something that we through your experiences we teach you how to play the game over time. Um, so yeah I think that we just, Um, a lot of the the games that influence me are essentially like i think a lot of the old games that i'd played um your your Mans, your zeldas but also just whatever i'm playing within the last like six months i'll just keep a cache in my mind about like what what are the lessons that each of these games teaching me i try to keep up to date with uh contemporary games what kind of uh, hubbub is surrounding a lot of the games that are coming out uh, what's being said what's liked what's disliked um, and what are the lessons can we learn from these
0: mm. no it's good stuff it's um and <laughs> again it's definitely evident in what used here. <laughs> but, um, before we delve into that there's a couple more questions we have got to ask you sure. in this first half mm-hmm. and this next one isn't uh nebulous which is the last one, could arguably be, and many people have pointed this out, but I think it's an important question to ask, so thank you for responding so so openly about it. But the next question is this, and again, this might be an individual tasting. It often is when I have more than one guest on the show, and this is this. What developer do you most admire in the industry and why?
1: Gotcha. I feel like I know Nick might have an answer for this, so I'll let him go first. I need to think about it for a
2: second. I'd say that the one that I aspire to the most was Shigeru Miyamoto, um, the head honcho uh, of Mario and Zelda, uh, just because it was such a seminal part of my youth. Um, and he essentially aspires to a lot of the same design principles um, that I aspire to. So very feedback-oriented design, moment-to-moment gameplay. Um, Mario is really about game feel, uh, more than anything else, um, and the way that he he would talk about, um, or at least other developers around him would talk about how much time he would spend on uh, the character controller itself and just trying to get the feel exactly right. Um, because that's what you're going to be spending 90% of your time doing throughout the game, if not the control being brought away from you through cutscenes or anything like that, but just the control of how the player feels, Um, throughout the game, and then the obstacles that you present to the player thereafter as a result of having a wrangle on the controls. Um, So I would say essentially him. There are a smattering of of other developers that I actually do appreciate, but I'd say from an ideal perspective, uh, the one that I generally had aspired to um, and the one that I sort of just locked into my mind from a, a young age and hadn't really changed since then was him.
0: Yeah, and the fact that they're celebrating thirty-five years of their games and people—oh, mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> uh, <I don't> know, <laughs> absolutely. Just, Especially
2: that's that's so uh, relevant right now.
0: And um, again, I don't want to make this about me or anything, but it's quite interesting. I don't know if you know this, but in the UK, we caught on quite late uh, with Nintendo because they didn't really treat Europe very well. Really, they really didn't. Um, If you look at an uh, an NES game, for example, everything was running fifteen percent slower because of PAL. There's these weird Uh borders everywhere, so it was like, you know. And it is um, so, and they released the games and the NES very late uh, Mm -hmm. in in Europe. So we eventually locked on and figured out that this this stuff was amazing, but it's not hasn't got the same. uh, same attachment, right? Gotcha. Uh, because of that, so we had enough. We had other games and other systems that we were doing, and Nintendo That's knew it. that, and they were like, "We're not sure how to deal with Europe because <laughs> 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 America fine, Japan and, and Australia is fine. Europe, don't know. We don't know what to do, you guys. <laughs> what are you doing? What What is that? <laughs> you know, it was generally that. It was um, so uh, we and bless them, but they figured it out eventually. But uh, it took them a while. Mm. It took them a while. But no, I uh, it's, and because of that, people of my sort of generation and I've only just recently, relatively recently, about five, ten, fifteen years, have realised that oh, these are quite good. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that that is the general. You know, we don't have the you know the draw to Zelda as ever many others because mm-hmm. we didn't we weren't playing those games. We were playing right. other games, and it's like oh yeah, this is not bad, is it? <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's but the that's the general to describe, reaction, though.
0: cute. Yeah, something to discover. Exactly. Similarly, um, um, people from North America are discovering the stuff that we were playing at that time and go, huh, this is weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> this is really weird stuff. Oh, no. Yeah, it's good. Anyway, um, what, what about you, Ed? You, you uh, hesitated to who you uh... are.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I've got a sort of answer anyway. I don't know. You know, it, okay. it was hard for me to come up with one person, but I will give you a studio as that.
0: Yeah, I mean, that company or person. I should be be more specific on that. But yeah, that
1: works. Yeah. So for me, uh, I think it is Supergiant Games, um, primarily because of the games they made that uh, really, you know, talking about influences again, that that was a big influence later in life. Um, Bastion specifically, the the story really hit me hard. Uh, Transistor's art style is really awesome. And then Pyre, again, uh, has a really amazing branching story path, even if, you know, a lot of people quibble about the gameplay. Um, but beyond that, beyond just their games, uh, they're extremely down to earth. Um, they they ran a series on Giant Bomb back in the day uh, called Building the Bastion. And, you know, it's just, they just like sit on a couch and chat about the game and show off early prototypes. And they really come off as very personable. Um, these days, they're doing a Noclip documentary or a series of Noclip documentaries. Um, noclip being the company that produces the documentaries on Hades. Uh, and same thing, they come off as, you know, very congenial, um, I, you know, very down to earth. Uh, I kind of aspire to be uh, like that when I'm, um, you know, talking to folks about the games we're making.
0: Yeah, we've had them on the show. Lovely people. Yeah, uh, I know a lot of them as well. Small world. Don't worry. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, I, th- I think uh, one of the most amusing things is I saw them. I think it w- it was at Pax West last year, mm. um, and I was chatting to um, uh, Jeff, and uh, and then someone else walked up and said, <laughs> "Wait, you know each other?" Yeah, yeah, we do. <laughs> Another British journalist came over and we started hurling abuse at each other. Go, wait, you know each other? Yeah. But well, sadly, <laughs> yeah, it's a typical British thing. And Once you're your friends. good friends, you then hurt <laughs> you each other. Oh, it's fine. very weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, no, then they're, they're, they're wonderful. Uh, Hades is a fantastic uh-huh. roguelike or roguelike. Absolutely. Uh, and um, yeah, magnificent game. I need to delve into it, but kind of distracted by Breakpoint. Cheers. Thanks a lot. <laughs> you're welcome. Just saying. <laughs> Um, but uh, speaking of games we're playing right now, see, did a segue. Come oh, on, ooh. oh, damn it. See, look, I've told everyone <laughs> it's a segue, now it is <laughs> a
2: one. Not as smooth of a transition when you let everybody know. No,
0: <laughs> never, never say it's one because then it ceases to be one. So, <laughs> and I have to ask this question because it's legally obliged. Because we are all three of us playing, talking about video games on a podcast
1: <laughs> ergo we've got to ask this question
0: so what are you playing right now
1: uh-huh. um well i'll steal the thing you just said i am i am actually playing hades currently there you um, go yeah they, so they, it's uh, finished it's
0: finished now it's that's finished. right yeah, actually, yeah SGA, no? it's
1: finished. you know did they did they announce anything before that happened because no, it, it see, hit me as a yeah.
2: complete surprise I yeah.
1: <laughs> no i think it just kind of went
0: oh look it's out yeah. now yeah it's yeah. done
2: yeah they <laughs> talked about q4 uh being a potential release date but uh and and had i been paying a little bit more attention to the release for the switch i would have been more oh, convinced sure. that they were going to release at 1.0 just because of how hard it is to release or impossible to release an early access game <laughs> on the switch um so i i should have seen that as a as a signal that they were definitely going to be yeah for 1.0 <laughs> So yeah, yeah, just pick that up again after you I actually had it uh, in early access and
1: that was one of the things Nick and I actually bonded over early on. Right. We played Hades. <laughs> um Me just too. like passing the controller. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. It's uh it's yeah, it's an extraordinary experience. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. And uh massive levels of sarcasm, <laughs> which makes sense <laughs> yeah. because it's set in the, you know, the classical Greek, you know, mythology, which right. is just the most satirical and well sarcastic, you know, um, uh, mythology I you know of. Actually, That's one <laughs> thing people are drawn to is why are these people so obnoxious? Well, <laughs> <totally>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's
2: part of the allure of their character, <laughs>
0: indeed. And they are caricatures, though, aren't they? That's the thing. Oh yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. That's the thing about them. I mean, they don't. They don't act in rational ways. Like, well, no, because it's a bloody. It's a you know, a fable. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> it's the, well, uh, these, these are
0: fables.
2: Pantheon, just, you know, this this uh this family that is dysfunctional. So it's, uh... <laughs> deeply, <laughs> deeply so. So in that
0: way it's realistic, but <laughs> But no, it's it's a good shout. Yeah, so I need to jump into that. Like I said, distracted by other games. <laughs> totally, yeah. Um, always. Yeah. There's too many yeah, games. And what, <laughs> Which is a good thing. It's a good thing. Too many, too many things. Um, what about you, Nick? What's what's distracting you away from uh, from Breakpoint?
2: Um, I would say Hades, but that's something I have <laughs> to delve into. Uh, hmm. I still have to delve into again, um, as Ed stated. Uh, uh, I thought it was because I stole again. your answer. No, um, <laughs> uh, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't jumped back into for one quite yet. Gotcha. Um, actually, what I've been doing is just jumping in between a bunch of demos for the Paxt. The, the Pax West uh demo display, they're they're doing their Steam thing. So I'm doing my game design academic thing where I'm just mm-hmm. jumping into a bunch of games, uh trying to see what works, what doesn't work. So I mean, just rattling off a bunch of types of games, Skistalt, Steam and Cinder, 30 xx Mayhem and Single Valley, uh, Greek, uh, Memories of Azure. Um, Pumpkin Jack demo, <laughs> gone viral demo, uh, just a bunch of demos, basically. Kunai demo, just a bunch of different types of demos um, from bigger titles, or I'm sorry, bigger studios and smaller studios alike. Just seeing what works, um, seeing what's fun, um, seeing what doesn't work. Um, that's importantly, it's it's equally as important to to figure out and to to latch onto. I think a lot of people, um, when when something doesn't work in in design or in games, these are sort of because from a consumer perspective, generally the the thing to do is just to not play. It's very popular responses if it's not fun just don't play it um i think that's not really an answer for me because i I sort of have to to digest and to understand why something is not necessarily working and so i will actually Mm -hmm. put myself through some unbearable gameplay just to figure out what is working and what isn't working because there's there's absolutely times where um and this is this is somewhat of a contentious thing to say but there are absolutely times when uh, playing something through, even though you don't necessarily like it, um, still yields a lot for you. And the reason why I say this is contentious to say is because I did this with Dark Souls and I, I still don't really like Dark Souls a lot, but I respect it very highly. Um, I think it, it does a lot of things right. In fact, it's a masterclass in certain areas, but it's it's the game I probably got the most mad at. I've never gotten more mad at a game ever. And I, I it beat me up a lot. Um, I ended up beating it um, but there's a lot of things I disagree about it. But there's a lot of things that really taught me, and I think that's why uh, I use that as an example of of why you stick it through.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's aspects of those games which I know we've spoken about a lot on the show before. So apologies, regular listeners, but there's aspects to it that are um, are wonderful, <laughs> uh, and other aspects that are like this is just. Tedious, <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, for sure, yeah,
0: and uh, and that's unfortunate, and it all stems back from Demon Souls, which uh oh, topic always coming back again in the next. <laughs> year. I think uh, Dark Souls and
2: Demon Souls there's just the Soul series remains to be perpetually yeah. talked around in circles, <laughs> yeah. because it just broke
0: everything. It just went. Just, you yeah. know what? A game can be difficult, and it
2: remains <laughs> difficult all yeah. of the time. Yeah. I know what? Yeah. I just, even I mean, even really self to hate that game, I was, I would talk about it incessantly and it was like <laughs> it's like a bad relationship really. You just can't stop talking yeah. about it. It's it's yeah, you love it and yeah, you hate like, it oh, when you look yeah. back at it.
0: Yeah. And you thought I, I slogged through that. I did <laughs> Yeah. But uh yeah. Interesting. Of course it is. But uh, that's what we're talking about it. But okay, cool. Right then. Well I love the fact that you delve into those demos. I should be doing more of that. But again, distracted by southern mm. certain games. <laughs> Saying uh, so let's move on to the second half of the show. Brilliant. Because the first half is now done. Well done. You made it. Ooh. We now move on. Now <laughs> move on to the second half where we delve deep into Breakpoint. So, before we can really delve deep into Breakpoint, I want you, and get best, best of luck with this, <laughs> please, please tell us, what is Breakpoint? You want to take this one, Nick?
2: Sure. Uh, Breakpoint is a twin-stick melee game. Essentially, it's uh, inspired by classics, twin-stick classics like Geometry Wars. Um, we really wanted to uh, emulate that kind of pure arcade flavor, um, where a person approaches uh, the game from a very skill-oriented perspective, um, but still has a lot of fun discovering a lot of elements with the game. Um, So if you look at games that are even older, uh, like our main character looks a lot like the Asteroids um, main character. That was not on purpose, but it's something that we've latched onto uh, internally. (laughs) After a while, we realized, that's true, sure, that we do evoke a little bit of Asteroids. But a lot of other arcade games over the years um, sort of informed our decisions. Um, So we eventually made, uh, essentially tried to make a game that evokes that same level of arcade enthusiasm where you just want to put in another quarter. Fortunately, you don't have to pay (laughs) over and over to play this game. You just start over uh, immediately. Uh, But we wanted to make sure that uh, playing from arcade perspective, uh, the player is attended to very easily and uh, is just able one to more try, actually. yeah. Just one more try,
0: <laughs> yeah. I think that summarizes it quite well. I mean, interesting, you don't have a little flying saucers in this game, though, just to be clear, right? Of all the little one you can't shoot that's called Little Bill, who's really <laughs> evil. apparently, yeah, they programmed in that way back in the day when they had nothing. Nothing in regards to resources, but they actually managed to program this device, this little ship, to react to the player in a certain way that was actually devious and evil. <laughs> so, yeah, so but,
2: no,
0: it's devious and evil. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, it's it, the fact that you can't really shoot is quite extraordinary, but we're going to delve into that. Yeah, we can, but you can't. You throw your weapon, you know? <laughs> right? It's just... This whole point of you moving into a space and then swinging your thing. Or, well, it's not swinging. Not always swinging. Poking is a thing you do as well. <laughs> uh, and exploding. And, uh, and exploding. Yeah. Oh, those explosions. <laughs> yes, lots of things. So, breakpoint, in my view, is really focused not so much on what is hap- happening currently, but what is about to happen a split second later. Mm-hmm. Was this the original design intent? Did you build the game around this experience of constantly thinking about what is about to happen and not what is currently happening?
1: It's uh... (laughs) a... (laughs) <laughs> I, honestly a lot of this section is probably going to be nick just because by virtue of being the designer he probably has a lot more to say about these things than i do <laughs> Indeed, but
0: you did actually make it happen
2: as well <laughs> that's true yeah i'll, I'll have a couple so of things in or- to get in, with.
0: yeah so in order for you to actually make it happen you must have an opinion Absolutely. on this. yeah
2: and <laughs> i'll let you interject uh whenever you'd like uh in this <laughs> yeah, case uh, a lot of the design was informed from a tactical perspective generally from a moment-to-moment gameplay kind of thing Like I said earlier, Uh, the idea of thinking in the future, there being a strategic Mm. element about uh, where you position yourself, whether or not um, you're capable of making an explosion. So as I, as I was not uh, eloquently explaining earlier about the the full functions of the game, this game is a melee-oriented game. Um, Mm. It's it's like Geometry Wars, but your primary attacks are melee-oriented. Um, you don't have any guns. You don't have any uh, shots or bullets. Um, so you're using your weapons, and as they wear down, uh, when they reach their breakpoint, uh, they explode. And instead of having a bomb uh, to save you, you essentially use this weapon explosion to clear the area. Uh, so you're trying to use this explosion tactically. So while, you, while a lot of enemies are surrounding you and you're using uh, your weapon's durability up, um a lot of that decision is happening moment to moment um, but the reason why uh, i cannot un- totally understand what you're saying about uh your decisions happening not really oriented around what's happening right now what's ha- what's going to happen a moment later is because yeah uh, a lot of your decisions are going to be oriented around what's about to happen and the repercussions of that say for example your weapon durability depletes and your weapon explodes, that's great. It clears the area because the explosion is a huge explosion and it grants you a lot of free reign in the immediate vicinity. But that's something you're going to have to answer for because your weapon's, uh, your weapon's power is now depleted. It's very weak. Um, and you're now going to have to answer for the fact that, despite the fact that you cleared the area, you're going to have to deal with new enemies that are coming in, as they're always coming. It's a bit of a horde mode. Um, waves of enemies are coming in all the time. You're going to have to deal with new enemies with your weak weapon and without the ability to explode your weapon because it's, it's no longer capable of incurring um, durability depletion without leveling up. So a lot of these, you're, you're queuing up a lot of decisions as a player, um, and you can deal with a lot of these decisions moment to moment, but what really brings you far in this game is knowing where you're going to be in a moment's time from now. So it was very intentional, I'd say.
0: Yeah. Definitely. I mean, most of the, the best twin six shooters are not so much about where you are but where you're going. That's right. Um, uh, but breakpoint really exploits that quite heavily. <laughs> you have to in order to actually A survive and get the most points. Which is what ultimately breakpoint's about. I've got the so the next question I have is um and it's something Ed maybe actually answer on this <laughs> one. Um The act of actually completing an explosion or a breakpoint, it's quite a spectacle. It's a thing. (laughs) Absolutely. You make make a big deal about it. Like, check it out. (laughs) We're going to slow the game down, shut everything off, have everything explode. All these little bits of shards go flying off. (laughs) We'll come
1: back to you in a minute. This is a big deal. Just enjoy the Um, spectacle. Yeah, that's right.
0: Just enjoy the spectacle. Why?
1: It's actually interesting. Uh, I was going back and watching some of our uh, streams that we did for the Steam Game Festival. This was this was definitely something that came up then too. <laughs> um, so originally, Breakpoint was conceived as part of a game jam, which is you know you make a game in forty eight hours. Um, and in that game jam, I don't remember exactly. So the theme was um, the theme for that jam was intentionally broken. Broken. So that's you know that's the reason this mechanic came about in the first place. Uh, I don't remember exactly why, but we decided, like, okay, you know what? We're going to do away with any subtlety. We're just going to make this game super in-your-face. <laughs> just make these explosions awesome and cool. So that's sort of what we did. Uh, and, you know, as the as the uh, game progressed, as we started working on it more, uh, we just sort of kept that mentality. Uh, we leaned into it, even. Um you know obviously, for some marketing purposes because everybody loves flashy explosions. but also it does just look awesome when you blow up your weapon. <laughs> and we wanted the player to feel awesome.
2: We definitely wanted the central focus to be about the explosions, especially. Um, mm-hmm. they They not only are a functional aspect of the way that the game works because you use them to clear enemies when you're getting overwhelmed, but they're also just a huge spectacle for uh, everybody involved, both viewers and the player themselves. Um but they they really give you even the even the time slowdown, for example, it, it might be something that you overlook, but it's, it gives you a little bit of time to think when it's, everything's slowing down. Um Yeah, and actually we,
1: to the to that point, yeah. um your your point just before about um looking at, always looking ahead. I actually feel like whenever you explode your weapon, you're never looking at the explosion because you know what's gonna happen there. You're always looking around it to plan your um to plan your
2: next decision. Right. Uh yeah, so, and it can
0: oh, leave you quite vulnerable, can't it?
2: yeah exactly um (laughs) in fact in earlier builds uh you would be quite vulnerable um both when you died and when you exploded and before we tweaked a lot of the values uh you had to be super careful about (laughs) guys coming at you um so we've we've been able to iron out a lot of the the strange discrepancies about explosion not being so safe it's it's very safe now um and it's (laughs) one of the things that you you generally engage with whenever you're you're feeling unsafe uh as much as you can but it's we decided to make the explosion the center point of the entire game and as a result we really wanted to put everything into it um both visually and feedback um and functionally so we we wanted the player to um to actually, feel very powerful, but not make the game unbalanced as a result of it. Uh, I think in a lot mm. of games, the bomb uh, for the like the twin stick shooters, um, the bomb is just sort of a reset. It's just something where when you're feeling overwhelmed, if you have a bomb ready, you just fire it off. Um, in this game, we give you the ability to use essentially use the bomb very frequently. But if you use it all the time, you're not going to be able to use the better aspects of, say, for example, your weapon because. Once your weapon explodes, you're not able to use, say, for example, your level three weapon. When it levels up, it gets more powerful, has a larger swing arc, uh, is able to hit a lot more enemies. But uh, once it explodes, it's sort of the culmination of that weapon's usability. And that explosion is super useful. And we wanted to make that kind of the ultimate apex of all of that, all the culmination of of your action up to that point. But then it, it essentially does act as a reset. So we're we're both signaling to the player, this was awesome. Now prepare for the next wave. It was definitely kind of an a, a intention focusing type of action. So we, we needed to make sure we gave it the the attention to detail as it deserved.
0: And it it works. It really does. Because it does let you take a breath. Cause the thing about the best twin six shooters is you do get a breath, even if it is one or two, at least you need to get something. <laughs> yeah. Um even Robotron had that. Anyway, um, Knowing your enemy is a really important is really important in Breakpoint, mm-hmm. in my view. Because okay. you know what they can do, how they interact. How do you think Breakpoint informs the player of this fact?
2: Ed.
1: Um, do we do anything <laughs> that informs
2: the player about the enemy?
1: I mean, sure. uh, There's really most of it's through experimentation, right? I mean, you you won't know until you run into the enemy, unless you you know, read through the entire tip screen. I'm not sure who's going to do that when they enter the game for the first time. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh we had a telemetry about that and that was kind of humorous. How, how, oh like, yeah, nobody used the tip screen. We're like, I think great for the people who pay attention to this, but um it is, <laughs> it is kind of funny to see no one literally went out of the way to look at the tips, right. which is fine. It's, it's fine. I'm sure somebody will, but it's, it's probably going to be woefully low amount of people <laughs> That's okay, too. I all, I've yeah. read through
0: all of them because i played for two minutes went, oh, no, I need to read something. Oh, really?
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. One it's, of the outliers, uh, then. This,
0: this, 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 this is not working. I, 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 everything I know about twin-stick shooters is not working. <laughs> so um, I then immediately just read all 43 posts. Oh, went, wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I've got a better idea now. Right, I guess okay. we stand corrected. Yeah, yeah, yeah so... Uh, um, um, I mean it's 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 the fact that I mean, not, uh, when I first played it, the brutes looked like little knights to me, so I mm. called them knights. Oh yeah me.
2: yeah.
1: Uh, actually that's so funny, um, I actually uh the one of the big reasons I wanted that tip screen or we wanted that tip screen in was to give the enemies canonical names. Because I actually yeah. I knew in my head like, oh yeah, these people you know, people are gonna call these things everything. It's every single thing yeah. under the sun, whatever,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I thought, oh, look, they nights like knights marching towards me, yeah, totally. not, but I still, still call on that in my head, and, <laughs> yeah, despite you. Yeah. No, I think that's yeah. that's great, yeah, yeah that's cool, it. yeah, <laughs> it's cool to know it's, that it's like, like yeah. it's like the, the the named ghost in Pac Man, like, mm-hmm. no. That's the annoying one. Yeah. That's the really <laughs> that annoying right? one. I don't care about
2: Inky or Blinky. It's just... No, it's just like, that's ridding. annoying, really yeah. annoying. <laughs> right. That's
0: the really dumb one. <laughs> just, just, And yeah. it's just,
1: that's it. It's just... that. Yeah, you sort of think of those in your head like, oh, this the annoying green ones. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. And exactly. they're,
0: they're, well, the arrows are called the Swarmers. Like, oh, okay, oh, yeah. right. okay. Because <laughs> that's what they would do. And I right. took great delight in... In actually um, um, kiting them around the, the map. Totally, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then just uh, doing the thing that I'm now going to talk about next, because you've, you've answered the third question. So I'm just going <laughs> to plow on ahead. Sure. And the next question is this. It is possible to build up a kind of chain effect I have found, if you're careful and, and smart, mm-hmm. by throwing the weapon at breakpoint. And it's akin to every extent extra in some regards, if you're familiar with the game. If you're not, well, maybe you did it by
2: accident. <laughs> I, um, I was familiar with it, yes, a little bit during yeah. the research of this game, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's a very very strange game. <laughs> uh, you actually you are required to explode yourself. Like, what? Yeah, very strange. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's very Zen-like once you get it right. Um, but um, was this... I mean, you've actually mentioned this already. Was this... You thought sort about of like, Gone ahead, and that it was essentially a replacement of the bomb mechanic. But um, is was it sort of um, you know because the timing and aiming of your weapon when you fire it off. It's absolutely vital because if you do it too soon, there's not enough creatures in there, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh no, what have I done? And <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, I've lost my, my break because now I've, I've flown, flown the weapon. Right. And what have you, what have you done to actually think to again? Similar to the third question, to sort of train the player to say, you know what, this is a really cool um, uh, ability, but. Use it sparingly. If you, if you, uh, what what do you think you do? What do you think Breakpoint does to to train the player into understanding the 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 intricate interactions between um, causing damage and then um, storing and, and then charging yourself up. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I think so. First of all, I think one of the things that we're doing is not necessarily punishing the player for approaching it as you would any other twin stick game. Um, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, despite the fact that we are breaking a lot of conventions by having your bomb not mapped to uh, a safe mechanic on the trigger button and not having um, not having a, a ranged weapon, uh, you could still approach it like any other twin stick shooter. Uh, you do have to aim before you fire. You're not firing all the time like you are in Geometry Wars or anything like that. Um, and that's actually one of the reasons. That's one of the reasons why I think people do internalize that you you do have to actually think about when you're swinging your weapon. Um, like many other melee games that people are are familiar with, say for example the top-down Zeldas. Um, when you swing your weapon, you are vulnerable from behind, so you do have to be careful about. You know, you you might be uh, taking taking the point from front of you, but you're still vulnerable from behind. So you still have to be careful about. Where you're choosing to engage with the enemy and when, um, and that's just by nature, uh, what a what a melee system sort of helps you to understand about itself is that corralling enemies into positions that are beneficial to you is sort of a just in general, uh, an, an advantageous type of strategy to have. Now, in general, with the weapon explosions, I think we we're, we're actually not necessarily punishing the player for blowing things up all the time. In fact, we're kind of not trying to punish the player for doing that too much, because in reality, we want the player to enjoy the spectacle of stuff exploding just whenever they can. What, we're, what we are doing, though, is we're not giving you as good of a position on the leaderboard if you don't do it carefully. So we're, we're not discouraging you from doing it, but we are saying if you go back and watch a replay of, a, of another person who actually gets high on the leaderboard, Like you might feel proud of yourself after after playing for a little while and then actually getting a hang of the game and you should for understanding a lot of the game but eventually what ends up happening is they start to understand like oh i got somewhere where i thought it was really awesome on leaderboard let's see what other people are doing and then when they realize a lot of people are corralling enemies around in a circle or they're not necessarily using their break mechanic right away they realize they don't have to do this so that's one of the ways that we're doing we're, we're sort of educating the player about uh, the benefit of being able to use explosions. Uh, not quite why, right away, but at advantageous positions. We, we kind of wanted to encourage the player through other things. Like, for example, when you blow stuff up, um, a lot of their XP shards fly everywhere. And the more enemies you blow up collectively, the more those show up. So you're able to see a lot of those appear all at once, and you're able to collect a lot of those at once. And when you realize that was a result of the actions that you just made, uh, it ends up becoming like, oh, I want to do that all the time. I want to catch a bunch of guys into the explosion, and it just becomes sort of an organic growth and organic discovery. After you realize there's these things that I don't get necessarily punished for, but I I get rewarded far more by doing these other actions.
0: Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's and I love the the replay system. We haven't really delved into that, but right, you go to leaderboards and I've done that a lot. Going, well, I've got this amount of points. Not like, to what, and uh, who's the guy or person or person or whoever they <laughs> yeah, are. Yeah. <laughs> who are. Who yeah, is that players, person? Yeah. I did? Had the p- other player tried? To, I didn't recover that very well. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> um, I, at least I'm aware of it. Hey, something. <laughs> um, who's the person? Who actually, you know, so I'll go like maybe four or five sort of bits above me uh, and I go, oh, I see they've done that. Yeah, clever. Yeah. <laughs> Tip to the hack right. if I had one. So, Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's, it yeah, is very, very. And it's, uh, this is the thing I've sort of, the theme of these questions, if you notice, is yes, we're talking about the mechanics of the game and mm-hmm. we've delved into that, but it's definitely a repeated theme of how do you educate the player? Mm-hmm. Because I think that's the thing that. Could push a lot of people away unless I'm oh, trying absolutely. to encourage players of Breakpoint to No, don't do that. Just I know it's a bit odd because you can't <laughs> shoot any other. Right.
2: Gotcha. You know, I mean it's just like well, a the question about you know, uh, the idea of uh, why are the explosions so grandiose. That was one yeah. of the reasons. We we had to convince the player to stick around long enough to see more explosions. That was just <laughs> We just have yeah. to be like, this has to be awesome. Otherwise, people won't yeah. stick around. Like, it it definitely... Yeah. They have other games to play. We need to respect their time. They have other things to mm. do with their lives. So, if we make this an undeniably cool thing to spend time with, at least from moment to moment, then maybe they might choose to spend a little bit more time with us. That was yeah. one of the very conscious decisions behind making that as, as polished as as it was. And you did a wonderful job. So...
0: Breakpoint uh, by uh, Studio Aesthesia. What Where's the name come from?
2: Aesthesia? Uh, mm, it's Aesthesia, like aesthetic. Yeah. Um, it's around feel. We're a game company that generally wants to focus on very punchy, very kinetic game feel. Um, and as a result, nice. we really wanted the idea of game feel or just feel to be kind of central to our studio name. We, we didn't really think that it was that important that people understood or knew our studio name. It was really more for us to kind of understand like what do we, what do we centralize our main ideologies around? It's game feel. So we really wanted something that was centralizing around the idea of aesthetic, both in beauty, but then also esthesia as in like the root word for anesthesia, which is no feeling. <laughs> esthesia is feel, to feel. And so we really wanted mm. the idea of game feel to be central to our name and our ideology.
0: Great. That's that's way better than a 3 a.m. in a pub. Oh, we've got to think of something. <laughs> I don't know. Yellow crow. That'll do it. That's Love it. Give that man a point. <laughs> it's in. Lock and loaded animal. Perfect. I like, I like yellow it, yeah. crow. <laughs> 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 yeah, someone's gonna steal that now. Anyway, um six six months from now I'm gonna interview the developer. What's the name of Yellow Crow? <laughs> Should have checked. Um, that out. You could. Yeah, but it is published by the Quantum Astrophysicists Guild. That's right. Lovely people. We've had we've had them on the show. Mm-hmm. And um and it is out now on Windows PC and according to my records, there's the heading to Nintendo Switch Was is it already there? I do not know. Uh-huh.
1: Think it'll also be there on Nintendo Switch, same time.
2: That's right. Oh, cool! So Excellent. Forth. Yeah,
0: yeah. Any other platforms, or we can't announce them yet. If mm. if you're considering it, no.
2: No, yeah. <laughs> for now, <laughs> well, okay. we I think we're good for where we are right now. Uh, I think in the future Indeed. we may consider some other ones, but. It's yeah, meat, Max, there's some new Linux, ones apparent and appearing and apparently. And I, I know, yeah. Know. On the
1: horizon, <laughs> there are some new ones on
0: hearing? the horizon. Yes. Actually, now we have a date and a price. Yeah. Like, dear yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <To> heaven. Anyway, <laughs> it's uh, it's been wonderful having you both on the show, uh, and Nick, you're more than welcome to come back to chat about what other new game you've come up with <laughs> after after Breakpoint. But in the meantime, thank you so much. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Canaan and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash for early, extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website caneandrinse.com.